Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the USL show sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, your home for uh, national team USL and MLS scarves, as well as custom scarves for your club or personal use. Check them out, roughneckscarves.com. This podcast is also produced by the Beautiful Game Network of Podcasts, which we are very proud to be a part of. We're also very happy that Mike Sparks is, is back. Uh, definitely check the whole network out at bgn.fm, as well as on the Twitters at the BGNFM. Uh, I am Evan Valella, in case you forgot, after a little hiatus for the World Cup. Joined sometimes by my soccer colleagues, sometimes by my soccer acquaintances, but they are always my soccer friends. Uh, for the next hour or so, I'll be your moderator, host, or maybe even your facilitator of a discussion of the year ahead for, uh, well, <laughs> just kidding, of the uh, of the month that was, basically, for the United Soccer League. Um, joining me this week, it's my ragtag group of friends, which is awesome. Uh, let me find you guys. First, he is... Um, the best source of alternative music in USL media coverage and the, um, the King of goths or maybe the King of scene kids, depending on what day you catch them on um, for money as substitutes. It's, it's Dan. Hey Dan. Hello. Hello. That's quite the intro. Now the, the pressure's on. It is. It is. But I, I, I wouldn't have put it on you if I didn't think you would live up to it. So, so here you are. Um, secondly, he only travels in flocks. He is softer than a down pillow. He is in fact the Bernie Sanders of USL. It's goose. Hello, thank you for uh, for having me on. It's it's been a while. I any think... excuse I can get to call anyone the Bernie Sanders of anything is is really <laughs> something I'm going to take. I, I um, now know why I'm here. I now know why I'm here. It's good. Yeah, yeah. I was sitting on that one in the Google Doc, and I'm like, ah, I need to say it again. And then um, joining us for the first time, he totally didn't know that this was going to happen. So I'm sure this has been a wonderful surprise. Probably not. In fact, I don't even know if he's still on the call. Anyway. Uh, it's your favorite expatriate. Uh, he moved out of those faulty towers in Downton Abbey to, to Colorado. Um, he is the highest man in USL when it comes to elevation. It's the founder of the Backchat Show. Uh, he's also a writer for Last Word on Soccer about the Colorado Springs switchbacks. He is also, also an author of Seasonal Disorder, which uh, you should go buy. It's Mark Kerner. Hey, gents. Thank you so much. That's no a, a very no nice problem. introduction. Maybe I'll come back. Brilliant. All right. Guys, I'm um, going to be honest, we uh, we here at the USL show have not recorded in a bit. It's been a minute, as the kids would say. And um, some things have happened in the league. Uh, so I figured we'll talk about them. Um, and I guess we'll just start, uh, you know, right before the, the World Cup happened, Spain went and fired their manager and everyone was very up in arms about it. And, well, we saw how it went for them, but... Um, the USL has decided to follow suit with a couple of big names in the in the coaching, uh, you know, roster that we had leaving. Um, obviously, the most recent one being James O'Connor leaving Louisville City back to his former club in Orlando City, as well as his um, main assistant Daniel Bird. Um, but also, you know, Lee Calshaw decides that 19 years is enough. Thank you very much, and moves on from Richmond. So, um, I guess opening thoughts on either those two guys or just kind of that whole idea of a coach leaving midway through the season in general would be great. It creates an interesting dynamic because Louisville's been good this year. They've, they've kind of yeah. picked up the pace from where they were last year. Um, Richmond, maybe not so much, but it, it kind of surprised me with Richmond because they haven't looked like they've disappointed this year. I wouldn't think. Um, but maybe it was about time uh, for that change to happen regardless. Um, but I'm not necessarily a huge fan of changes in the middle of the season, mm -hmm. um, especially with the situation. I guess it was kind of 
forced upon them with Louisville having a, a three-headed monster player coach, um, yes. which they definitely stole from Tampa Bay. Um, <laughs> they did it first. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's going to create an interesting uh, last half of the season, I suppose, with, for both those teams, really. I agree. Uh, I mean, the – you can't really blame um, O'Connor too much going taking a step up to MLS, but you never want to lose your coach midseason. As you know, speaking as a Rowdy's fan, who our best defender is now our manager, and uh, we have Joe Cole as a player assistant coach. It's interesting. Um, I think in our case, it was needed. Uh, I think in Louisville City, uh, it's interesting to see how that dynamic plays out. I mean, they're what sitting fourth place currently. Uh, you don't, I don't know how that's going to go, how the players, those three players can step up to keep the form going. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Sure. I, yeah. I, I don't know how Joe Cole could be a manager of anything in England. We still consider him to be a teenage phenom. <laughs> so <it's, laughs> he, he's, he's the English equivalent of Freddie Adu. He's forever a teenager. So he's going to show up in Las Vegas next year? Oh no! No, <laughs> it's not. It's not wish that upon him. Okay. It does. It begs an interesting question. I think we can all agree that the USL, by and large, is a developmental league. There are certainly older, more mature, been around the block a few times guys in the league. But generally speaking, it's a developmental league, and so no one really tends to bat an eyelid when players move from team to team, particularly if the player perceives that as being an upward move. And usually, that means from. And that means moving from a, an unaffiliated team to some team that has a connection to an MLS mm. organization. Is is the is the same attitude not to be applied to the coaches? Do we not feel like the majority of the coaches in the USL, uh, they themselves developing their skills to maybe move on to something bigger and better? Yeah, I think that's a really important thing to take from this. And um, it, it kind of reminded me not to plug my team too much. Um, we miss you, Enzo. Um, but his move from the independence at the beginning of the year to the the rapids is only really seen as a a positive i would think mm -hmm. um and i think that's a really good thing to keep in mind with o'connor i think we've all kind of seen that as the next move for him um to the mls or to a higher level um because he's he's earned that respect um and he's earned it with his with his play for louisville or coaching i should say um but I think that's, as a fan, I think that's what you want to see from the league and you, you want to see from your, your coaches, your players, and things like that, I would think. Yeah, it, it's interesting because we are in a little bit – it's it's a weird spot and that I don't think we're necessarily, to, to use a, a bit of an example, like in an England scenario where you have the same kind of five coaches popping up to, to replace other coaches every year. Um. In that, you know, I mean, you look at guys, even um, Toronto FC2's previous coach, uh, Jason Bent, is now with the first team as an assistant. So, I mean, he moved upward um, mm -hmm. in that, you know, in that program. And um, obviously, uh, you know, it's it's been there's a lot of good young coaching talent in in USL right now. Um, Alan Coach obviously comes to mind. Um, I'll be biased and say I think Brendan Burke does a phenomenal job. John Wolniak does a great job. You know, there's really not a a manager that you look at in the league and you go, well, they're clearly just not on the same level as everybody else. Um, and I do think that this is the perfect proving ground for managers 
Um, but then at the same time in USL, you also have guys like, and you know, not to discredit the sixth place team in the Eastern Conference, but Mike Anhauser, who's been in Charleston forever. And, you know, Lee Calshaw was with Richmond forever and finally stepped out. And Bob Lilly obviously has been an institution in in lower level American soccer for as long as it's been around in Pittsburgh right now, or for my money, the best team in the Eastern Conference. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting, but I, I do think that, you know, I've I've seen a couple of people locally in, in Louisville, not not people that I'm familiar with personally, but you know, be like, oh, this was a terrible move and he shouldn't have done it. And I think a lot of us that that have been on the show and that, that follow the league closely were like, Yeah, no, this is great because he's the first real coach to go up from USL to MLS. And, you know, we all think that he's gonna do very well because that's the kind of guy that he is. Um so yeah, really weird time to move, but uh, you know, if if he didn't take that, he wouldn't have gotten the job probably. So, I mean, you know, and he beat out an established MLS guy in Caleb Porter. So that's, you know, a couple big things there where I'm like, yeah, that's a really good, you know, narrative that the USL can start to use. For sure. And that was my timer, I think. Okay, I was wondering what that was. No, I have no idea. I'm really, really glad. Yeah, to that was my that. phone. Um, that right. was, <laughs> sorry about that. It happened to be like. No, that was uh, that was whenever I get too long winded, someone cuts me off. <laughs> that exact alarm. It's great. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it's uh, it's ultimately a positive for the league. Um, it's a little weird to see that happen mid season. Um, I'm hoping it's not a situation for his sake that it's going to be. Um, a half a season, I guess, uh, audition and let him see go back, take a step back, or that type of thing. Mm. Um, because even though I'm wouldn't call myself a Louisville fan by any stretch, I would like to see him do well, um, regardless. Um, because it, it's good for the league, it's good exposure. Um, and like I said, he, he's definitely earned it. I mean, he's. No. taken an expansion team in Louisville in, in 2015. And I want to say competed in the playoffs that first year and he's always done well. Yeah. Um, so hats off to him and best of luck. I'm just a little worried about where he went. Um, Orlando city isn't exactly the uh, shining beacon of, uh, you know, nice and patience and, and anything over there. Fans can turn on him in a second if results don't change quickly. True. Um, so he's got to come in and make almost a near instant impact. And, uh, you know, I, I'm rooting for him because I want to see the, you know, guys take that step up and succeed. But, uh, A, I also hate Orlando City. Um, but I, I hope he does well. And I hope Orlando City has the patience with him that, a, you know, a new coach yes. taking that step up mid season, especially, uh, should be offered. That's sounding more and more like England all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And, you know, and then just that influx of player coaches, which, you know, is, is the, the one thing that I think is troubling for me, if I'm, you know, sitting in Louisville, Kentucky right now, um, is that that kind of shows that they, they either were really confident that both coaches weren't going to go, which I, I could understand, um, and that they were going to make Dan Bird just kind of the, the interim or, or what have you. Um, but the fact that they don't have a short list apparently or, or aren't as far along hiring or replacement coach process as I would have expected them to be or, or maybe, you know, a team that has a sought after coach would have been is, is a bit confusing. And I mean, 
Dan, not to take barbs at you guys the whole episode, but we've seen how a team with player coaches gets on in the first couple games, and it's not looking, not looking great. So we'll see. I mean, in in Neil Collins' defense, we've lost almost everybody. It's very true. Yeah, there's that other guy that left to be a technical director at a very uh, big German club or whatever whatever that means. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's not it's not his fault for sure. I mean, injuries, Marce- yeah. our best player leaving, our best defender, and Neil Collins being our coach. It's suspensions. Joe Cole got, you know, the yellow. It's it's just been nuts. Sure. Uh, but, I mean, yes, you're right. It's not usually an optimal uh, no, no. situation. Yeah. But it's also – it's super confusing to me how it's going to work having three interim coaches because from my perspective, unless – something has changed. Louisville does not tend to keep a, a very deep roster to begin with. No. Um, so I don't know if it's going to be, it, it's going to be really weird. When one of those players, I, I, I'm really curious how that's going to work as far as who's going to be the coach. Cause there has to be an acting coach. Someone has to wear a suit, I would assume, or, or whatever they prefer stylistically. Sure. Um, but it's also interesting because there's, two midfielders, if I'm not mistaken, and a striker. I don't remember them being very deep at striker. So, I don't know. It's it's very strange. Yeah. Also, to be fair, fair, uh, Nashville Nashville did kind of set the tone tone with player coaches and that Matt Pickens is one as well as um, one of their defenders. So, It's a very rowdy thing, you know? <laughs> spreading it around the league at this point, for sure. With all the uh, the manager musical chairs that we're seeing, sure. and the recent development we saw with uh, Lopatelli as well, the Spain coach being fired right before the World Cup tournament, uh, it got me to thinking just how vital managers are, or maybe are not. And I'm wondering how many USL teams were they to lose their manager tonight would struggle. How many would maintain the position they have in the league? How many, in fact, might thrive from that managerial change? That's another thing to be considered. So, it's not always a bad thing when managers depart. Are we replacing the managers, or are we just going like full-on manager apocalypse? There's no managers anymore. <laughs> I think we have all the fans in the stands cards that they get to hold oh. up. Yeah, they're, they're color-coded. It relates to specific right, right. actions within the game, sure. <laughs> changes in formation. So basically, we're turning FIFA eight, uh, uh, the USL into like a weird FIFA 18 football manager mod kind of thing. Championship manager, full-blown. Okay. Let's okay, go. Okay, great. Um, I think to, to actually honestly answer your question, as absurd as it is, if all of the USL or the MLS two sides lost their manager, might be bad. And I know Toronto FC2 don't play with a manager um, now, uh, but it also kind of feels like Toronto FC2 don't play with a team right now. So, <laughs> um, you know, whatever you want to make out of that. But yeah, no, I think there is a lot of teams that if you took the, the manager away, think, well, and I just think in general, that's not a great idea, which is Pittsburgh. Would obviously, be, why we're not enacting it, but Pittsburgh would be screwed without, uh, without their manager. Uh, no, they would just score a lot more. We'd be in trouble. We, it would be utter chaos. Um, if, if we lost Mike Jeffries in a similar fashion, he was called up or he was, uh, lost or something. I don't know. He um, just got lost. Yeah. <laughs> His plane got derailed or something. Sure. sure. Amnesia. Um, we would, yeah, it would not be good. Um, it would be more chaos than it is right now. 
Mm, mm, I'm, I'm sitting here wondering what having a manager is like. <laughs> You're welcome to us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I kid, Neil Collins actually uh, is a good idea, but I would say our previous manager, uh, it was from what I hear towards the end, especially, it was kind of like not even having a manager. Uh, mm. Oh, so, well, then we'll just ask you guys. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, gentlemen, moving on, I, I know um, there's been a lot of games played by this point. We're about halfway through. Um, I suppose, you know, and, and Mark, I guess I'll, I'll start with you, our, our Western Conference aficionado. Um, no pressure. Anyone out there that's that surprised you in terms of how well they're doing or conversely, anyone out there that surprised you in terms of how poorly things are going? Uh, no one's really surprised me in terms of how well they're doing. If I look at the top four teams in the league right now, Real Monarchs, Phoenix Rising, Sacramento Rep, and Swope Park, I would have expected those four teams to have occupied the five spaces, in, uh, the top five spaces in some combination. So the fact they're one, two, three, four does not surprise me. And there are no real surprises then in the remaining spots as they stand presently, uh, other than the fact that the switchbacks are clinging to number eight by their fingernails. Um, the only surprise I've really had this season, and I'm, I'm going to, in, in the interest of just purging here, I'm going to embarrass myself publicly okay. and remind people that uh, the last time I was on this show, and perhaps this is why this was the last time I was on this show, Ooh. was preseason when I, uh, when I said that I thought OKC were uh, going to win the league. I felt like they and the Real Monarchs would be scrapping it out at the top of the table uh, OKC picked up some great players in the offseason, not least of all Christine Ibiaga, who I think is one of the best defenders in the mm -hmm. USL. And so to see them down in 13th place right now, uh, struggling like heck, does surprise me. Did they, uh, did they at least pay you all to say that? <laughs> <laughs> well, the roster looked good. The roster looked good last season, and they yeah. appeared only to add strength to it. So... Again, I, I really expected them to be pushing the Monarchs. I suppose I'm a little surprised by Phoenix because Phoenix flattered to, to deceive. And so to see them actually putting together a, a string of results, they haven't lost now, I think, in six or seven games. Yes. And to occupy that second spot is a little surprising, particularly given that Didier Drogba, um, the, most, the most he seems to be contributing to the team right now is driving by and waving at people in the stadium as he passes. Now, now hold on. He's tweeting about a really cool goal. Come on. You know, he's actually doing a fantastic job uh, for the World Cup announcement team. Good. Good on him. <laughs> um, I will say, I, I think the other surprise, or at least one that I didn't see coming in the slightest, was um, Portland being in seventh right now. They haven't looked great. Recently. Yeah, I wouldn't have seen that before a ball was kicked, but then they picked up my boy, Josh Phillips. And Josh is um, the definition of a warrior. And it does not surprise me to see him blossom mm. with the captain's armband and uh, to raise all ships. I think he's done a really great job, particularly defensively, of bolstering that club and sure. um, putting them on a strong foundation. So, yes, to see them in seventh is a little surprising, mm. but to see them doing better than we expected should surprise no one when, when you have Josh Phillips on your roster. Mm. Mm. And then, um, gentlemen, and, and, you know, Mark, if you have opinions, feel free. 
Um, Eastern Conference side of things, who are we surprised by being where they are? Who are we not surprised by being where they are? Um, I suppose no one's really batting an eye at Cincy being where they are. Um, although with uh, with Pittsburgh and, and Nashville both on 15 games, that's going to be an interesting um, game of catch-up, so to speak. And then, as it usually is, the Eastern Conference is just a logjam right now. And honestly, that goes all the way down from basically 13 up. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of teams that could be be buying for that that fifth playoff spot even right now with um, you know Indy on 25 points and then Ottawa on 18 and 13th. So um, yeah, whoever wants to to chime in, Dan, I'm sure you have opinions on that team in 11 I mean, right now. Yeah, uh, I did not see us out of the playoff picture at this point in the season. Uh, with the or at any point in the season, right? Yeah, yeah, really? yeah, yeah. I figured we'd be you know battling top four for most of the season because the Eastern Conference is a bit crazy, but um, trying to find a try to steady the ship uh, is getting kind of frustrating, but um, we've made some moves, you know, Poku coming in, so hopefully we we can balance that back out and get to where we need to be. Like you just said, it is a logjam and a win on Wednesday against Toronto FC here in St. Pete puts us right back in the thick of it. if we win, that should put us probably in that ninth spot with a game in hand on the Red Bulls too. So I'm not too worried yet, um, but we need Neil Collins to, you know, finally put his imprint on this club and get us firing all cylinders again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think pretty much otherwise, it's the table's close to where I would expect the Eastern Conference to be. I expected Cincinnati, maybe Pittsburgh. I didn't expect to be that close to the, you know, battling only what six points behind with two games in hand on Cincinnati. I didn't see that one, um, but it's pretty much out. Pretty much everybody is where I would expect them to be. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I would agree that it, it kind of feels like maybe this, probably the top six. I would think right now are maybe going to stay the same. Mm. It's it's really hard to tell because there's been a lot of. There's been a ton of changes here and there. Um, Cincinnati's more than likely, I would think, gonna gonna take the top spot. Um, uh, honestly, at this point, w- with my team, just to briefly talk about it because I've already talked about them a lot tonight. Um, but I think our ceiling is is pretty well set at five to six. Um, but really, the one thing I've noticed, the major team that I think has been surprising as heck to me. Uh, being stopwatch FC is what I've termed them as. Uh, Penn <laughs> FC yep. has had a pretty good run of form recently. Um, and it hasn't been against, I mean, they beat Toronto FC 3-2, Kickers 2-1. Not necessarily surprising there, but they still beat opponents they should have beat. Um, they tied in Louisville 3-3. Yep. That surprised the hell out of me. Um, Sorry, Dan. Um, they did beat the Rowdies two <laughs> one, um, and on top of it, I'm forgetting his last name, but their striker Lucky, I want to say, has had a really good run of form here recently. Uh, He's a former <laughs> um, And they even tied with Indy in Indy, um, and they led that game forever. And they really they? Okay. should have gotten three points out of it, but they didn't, um, which is unfortunate. But it. It should be less surprising. I mean, I guess because I've known, uh, like, uh, Voss has coached or was an assistant coach down here for a few mm-hmm. years and in Fort Lauderdale before that. Yeah. And 
like I'm not too shocked by Penn FC coming around. He's, you know, he, he was able to do things as even as an assistant coach in Fort Lauderdale on a budget, keeps them defense and defensively organized and whatnot. And he did the same when he came here. Um, uh, so I'm not too shocked by Penn FC's form, um, you know, and there's a, what a couple, what, uh, Tommy Heineman's there. Lucky yep. Kasana is also a former rowdy from the NASL days. Uh, he's, he was always fun to watch. So I guess I'm not too surprised by Penn FC doing their thing. Um, they, I think they had a rockier than they sh- start than they should have, but mm-hmm. that was boss just getting his feet wet. Yeah. That, that's a good point that I, I honestly forgot about that. They did have a good pedigree of coach in there. So I honestly think they, considering their recent run of form, if they can continue that, um, they could look to battle for that eighth or seventh playoff spot potentially. I mean, it's still really early on is the other thing. There's still a ton of things that could happen. Three more coaches will probably lose their job at this point um, per average. Um, but I did notice that Evan has uh, put a bug in my ear to uh, to briefly rant about the announcers. Um I, I just wanted to do that. So, <clears throat> mm. and and Goose, the good news is you were not the only person to talk to me about this regarding okay. the, the Bethlehem game, but I do think it is a problem in general because I did some math. The math that I did. And I'm assuming that all of us would take a job being a, a play-by-play announcer for the league, pretty much solely doing one team or we'll call it two teams or whatever for mm. like $35,000 a year or so. Or you can find people that would do it for that hi jacob words i would do it for that (laughs) now what that works out to be is if you're paying someone about thirty five thousand dollars a year and your club expansion fee is one million dollars on the dot that's 28 people it's Mm. not unreasonable to think about maybe happening and doing that because yeah this is not a personal thing against any of the people that do it right now. And Mike Watts is a, is a, is a friend of the show um, or he was until tonight. I don't know. And I do. He's a wonderful person and he does a great job, but there is not 20 Mike Watts. This is his. No. And there, you know, and, and a lot of those people don't just do USL things. And, and, but the, the lack of research that is done or the lack of preparation that's done to get these people to know something about the teams that they cover week in, week out mm-hmm. is baffling to me. Yeah. It's especially because you just switched over to ESPN plus where you might have people watching the Charlotte independence or the Richmond kickers or North Carolina or insert team name here for the first time. Yeah, it's. It's bothersome to me because it's a reoccurring thing where they tend to, and I get it. It's not an easy job. I would probably fall flat on my face doing it, even for the team that I follow sure. a lot. But like you said, if there's a t- there's a person that's maybe on the fringe of, of following the USL or, or maybe even in the city of a team and they don't know very much about this team, mm-hmm. they go to watch a game and the announcer maybe has not very strong facts or, or facts that are negative. Or they're talking about another team in the league in the run of play. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> it's distracting and it's, it is. I, I, like I said, I would probably never be able to do it without a, a lot more research than I, I would be able to do, mm. but it's just, it's very difficult to watch and it, it's, it's bothersome when there's multiple issues. Um, just not knowing a playing style of a team or a certain um, playing style of a, a player. And it, I don't know. I, I hate ranting about it too much 
um, because I've basically turned into a masochist listening to him um, <laughs> at this point, and it, I'm picking my poison, I suppose. But um, but yeah, it's just it's a reoccurring thing, and I'd much rather see them promote the team that's winning than be so negative about a team that's losing. But that that may just be me. I don't know. Are losing our minds? I let's see what was the last game we watched. Uh, the Rowdies last game. I forgot. I already forgot who we played. Uh, yeah, it was bad. I think I spent my entire time during the game on Twitter complaining about the the announcers there. Ironically, it was Charlotte. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking that might have been it. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. It's been a long week, uh, but fair enough. The I I, I didn't. I don't know. I usually am pretty harsh on the announcers, but uh, it, it, it was it's the the games I've watched on ESPN Plus, and I've watched a couple of home games. Even our announcers aren't well. That was actually I think before ESPN Plus. Uh, it hasn't been a pleasant experience. Mm. I think it's definitely something that needs to be revamped. Um, yes. The, and it almost, I don't want to say that it feels like there's not as much structure as it needs to be there, but it it kind of comes across as that. Um, where you have, it, it'd be much, it would benefit everyone if the announcer felt more, because I would, I would love a biased announcer that is going to completely know everything about the home team and maybe not so much about the away team. But when they don't seem to know too much about either team, or like you kind of said, Evan, they're talking about um, the Rowdies in the Charlotte Steel game. It doesn't really have much relevance. Um, right. right. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I like, and I don't. I, I, I always feel like when we, when we talk about this, people are going to be like, oh, well, you're, you're only saying that, and, and no one's ever said this, but whatever. You know, people are going to be like, well, you're only saying that because, like, you think that you can do it better or, or, you know, because you do a podcast about the league and or whatever, and, like, you know that people listen to it. It's like, yeah, but at the same time, like, we're not going on about how the USL is one of the most prominent Division two leagues in the world, and and really, you know, for as well as they've done in ramping up legitimacy and credibility in terms of stats and and you know availability of Jake Edwards, even like which is a little thing, or or just trying to implement rules about media availability and and things like that, for them to get something so fundamental to trying to grow your league as commentators that can help new people at least have a general understanding of what's going on if they know nothing about soccer or nothing about usl is is very strange i think we t we test that theory and do an old school nottingham forest rowdies friendly bring this like, <laughs> yep like it absolutely let's go for it you know it's it's I'm in a. I'm, I'm remaining very quiet here because uh, <laughs> you don't want you. You're still um, a, a sane man and like to tread lightly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, no. I, mean, I said earlier about having a, a dog in the fight um, regarding the other topic, and, and sure. I, to some degree, I have a dog in the fight in this one. Sure. But I also happen to be in a market where we have a phenomenal commentary team, or at least or at least one of the individuals in the team. Mm -hmm. uh, the other member of the team 
seems to, to fluctuate. But in Roland Vargish, who I think has been on this show a couple of times, um, we have one of the most knowledgeable commentators, mm-hmm. I, I think, in the game in the United States. So to have him in the Colorado Springs market, uh, we're very, very fortunate. That said, uh, I've been very lucky in that the switchbacks allowed myself and my back chat teammate, Jason, uh, Jason Smith, to commentate on the switchbacks open cup game last season and i guess we didn't do too terrible of a job in that we got invited back to do it again this year Uh, and i really enjoyed the experience it certainly gives you uh, an appreciation for the work that Mm. roland and uh, whoever's working with him do Mm. um it's it's but but i do agree with the central premise that you guys have crafted here in that nobody is necessarily expecting you to be an expert on both teams any given weekend or get the pronunciations correct of players names on the visiting team in fact as fans we kind of i think we actually kind of like that i think we like to scream and shout at our tv and somebody says oh now luke <laughs> yeah. rossoloni has the ball right right yeah we, we kind of get a kick out of that but at least be an expert on what's going on at home and yeah. that's not too hard to do you know that that requires you going two or three games it requires you spending a little time with the coaches and the players um the one thing i will give usl props for is their marketing team is on fire i mean their website uh you can find between that and soccerway.com you can find pretty much any information you want on the league in terms of stats and player backgrounds and everything else so you know at least know what's going on in your own backyard that to me seems a minimum yeah fair enough um agree with that. Yep. And Dana, I don't what's going on, man? What? I, I just I don't like I, I just sorry, I'm looking at the Eastern Conference table and I, I see you guys are in eleventh, <laughs> and I'm just I'm very you know concerned for for you. <laughs> For, for Matt, for everybody. Um, oh, it's just upsetting. Although I suppose the last bit of news that we should talk about, um, and then we'll uh, we'll move on to, to some other things and some shout outs. So I want to give to a couple people and we can talk about that. But um, Toronto FC2 lost to uh, the Charleston Battery. Um, I believe that was yesterday, the 1st of July. Yeah. Um, final score, uh, Toronto FC2 nil, Charleston Battery 4. And um, it almost felt like it was during the game. <laughs> One of the, um, this is a very cute way to say it, founding members of Division Three uh, yeah. for USL next year, um, which, you know, they have uh, they have sixteen, uh, they have three points. So um, this is not surprising, but the discussion I want to have off of this is um do how are we how do we feel about the mls two sides next year what do we want to do with them oh see i i've seen uh some takes about this and i have some feel i think there needs to be i don't know because the the league winners outside of usl 2.5 yeah there's you know the red bulls too granted they have uh zero fans but um, they, they're one of the yeah, best. I respect them as an organization. Does that count? That doesn't count. But, right. Like they're, but they're one of the best teams and, you know, yeah. and 
you look at the Western Conference where, uh, you know, there's a bunch of the MLS two sides that are pretty. Oh, look at that. Strong. Real Monarchs, number one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's difficult because I think it takes out um, some competition. Uh, and I, I liked the, I like the youth in there that they bring after watching NASL mm-hmm. for the first few years of doing uh, of doing this podcast and following the Rowdies. Um, it was very slow, grinding, and boring. And uh, USL is definitely that at times, but mostly not because of the youth and everything. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't like watching a game where there's seven people in the stands. Uh, but I also appreciate what the two teams bring. So I, I'm very, I'm still very much torn on this subject. Mm. Yeah. I think well, if you don't like you don't like watching games with seven people so people in the stands. You could never be a Derby County fan. <laughs> I'm just saying that in case I, any of my Forest peeps are listening. No, funny <laughs> thing is, uh, side note there, I have a Forest jersey hanging up in my closet. Um, oh, good, the plot thickens. Uh, but here's the thing: there's a mm. really big, like, a constant listener fan of uh, my podcast. He's a Derby County fan, and he's been constantly like coming at me to be a Derby County fan and I'm trying to declare neutrality, but uh, it's hard. Yeah. Don't, don't do it. They're very fond of sheep. <laughs> so let, let me clarify. Are we talking here about, are we, yeah. are we asking what is the future of, of two teams, MLS two teams, or is this a segue into what does D3 mean? Because right now the two teams yeah. are the stronger teams in the conferences, right? So to me, Correct. it would make sense to have right. the two teams play D three. But how can you have they play, them play D three when they're some of the stronger teams in what is now D two? Right. Well, and and so the the one thing that I bring up just because I've been entrenched with a with a with a MLS two. I call them one point fives because it's a different market and a different team name. Um, the first thing they said when USL moved up from Division three to Division two was wow, the quality of play here got a lot better. We like that a lot. That's going to help player development. Can you convince all those teams that that going down with other two teams? And we've seen how varied those can be. We have ones where it's, you know, a bunch of kids in their 18s to 24 with, you know, one or two veterans in, in the mix. Bethlehem comes to mind. You know, Red Bull do a very good job of of interspersing guys that have MLS experience and things like that. And then we have ones like Toronto FC too, or, or even, you know, um, Ottawa, our, uh, our Montreal's affiliate, and they do a good job of, of, of bringing in guys and real monarchs obviously do a great job. And so there's, there's a huge gap in what being a two side means right now. Um, and yeah, the other thing um, that I said regarding USL as it is currently is the last, what, two out of your three champions were, two sides yeah and then you know the other thing and i think i said this to you goose was we're so far away from knowing what usl division three is going to look like Mm -hmm. in that if it's a bunch of like fringy usl players kind of like how there's you know good guys getting minutes in in uh, in usl right now that we're fringy mls guys or or even you know like carl we met comes to mind um dean kelly is another one that that was you know and and i guess is technically now usl guy um if it's like fringy usl guys and then like the best that npsl has to offer that's going to be a lot of fun yeah but if it's just a bunch of of mls two sides it's going to look like academy it'll basically be like a weird extension of u23 teams 
Um, and that's fine and dandy, but I, I don't know if USL D3 wants to be that is the problem. Well, yeah. let me let me lay this on you. So please, it, it, we you know we talk a lot about the the USL being uh, that the the largest second division in the world, but it's really hard to keep a straight face when you start attaching names like credible and prestigious to yeah, vision right it right, just is sure. for right now right sure, that's sure. that's my position and i know i'm a snotty englishman and i'm sure there are plenty of listeners right now going oh you know english guy telling us how to run our run our game here in the u.s but look, look at it this way pour it, the uslt over the boat and put it in the usl river or whatever <laughs> <laughs> but look at it this way whether it's yeah. the premier league whether it's Serie A or this bundesliga you know, those are the 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 top tier of yeah. professional soccer's in their respective football within their respective countries, right? Mm -hmm. Just as the MLS is here, and the second divisions in their respective leagues, again, whether it's a championship, Serie B, whatever it might be, the players mm -hmm. that play there are doing one of two things: they're either trying to play well enough to get picked up by a tier one team, or they're trying to help their team get to that that top division. Teams in the mm -hmm. third division. Those players, are, that's very much developmental. You know, they're learning their craft in most cases. They're either on the way up or on the way out. So the structure you have here with the USL is going to be interesting because if general wisdom is top tier is MLS, second tier are those standalone teams that are trying to really build their franchise, really trying to develop into something legitimate and long-term, like the Rowdies, for instance. And the third tier really should be developmental. That surely mm. should be where the MLS 2 teams sit. But mm. part mm. of the reason that most of those kids are playing MLS 2 is because what? They want to play for the MLS, right? They want to play for their, for their mother team. And so what player is going to want to step down to Division 3 when they're looking for the quickest route to Division 1? And would players in that situation be prepared to leave the MLS 2 team and move to a Division 2 team, um, be that, you know, Phoenix Rising, be it Orange County, whoever it might be, it, to, to continue their learning and progression, kind of like it happens everywhere else in the world. Because if they're not going to, it's going to create this really interesting kind of fragmented structure whereby the players who are in D3 right now, they're looking to make the jump to D1. D2 is completely not of interest to them mm. yeah it's tough because then you throw the pdl into that um discussion which they're very very much so developmental and yes getting more reps and things like that um which i'm only recently learning about you probably know a decent more about that evan but you, you throw that into the mix then where does that fall into the spectrum of developmental or, or where or, it's I think a lot has to be determined of what I, I think right now, if you put New York Red Bull to the roster, they're going to have essentially in D2 next year in D3, they're going to completely steamroll everybody. Yes. Um, I think you could even somewhat, I'm not going to say this on the record. I'm not going to say Toronto is going to be great in D3, but you see if Cavaluso, if uh, Jordan Hamilton, is it Hamilton, yep. the guy, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. You put them in D three, they're automatically going to be leaps and bounds above them. But it's it's a really tough dynamic. I, I think it has to be situational. Um, I can see eventually once D three is settled into what they're going to be uh, as far as talent level goes and what 
what pool they're going to draw from talent wise, it would make sense to put the two teams there as far as a competition standpoint goes. But I think it's really early to say, and it would be, it'd be, it wouldn't make sense for the the New York Red Bull two to go to D three right now, or even the steel, honestly. Um, because or real monarchs level or, or, exactly yeah well park or like portland timbers too even or you know orange county yeah. is lafc's affiliate you know like it's it, i i think it's a it's a really hard sell for those for those organizations i really do and and another point how ridiculous would it be to see a bunch of mls guys and and yeah, okay, you know, oh, they're MLS quote unquote rejects because they're MLS contracted guys that aren't getting minutes with an MLS team. But like for the the amount of vitriol and the amount of oh well we beat these, you know, MLS guys um that happens now, like how dumb is it gonna look when there's a bunch of MLS guys playing in division three against, you know, Georgia Tormenta, who again, nothing against them. Wonderful folks, they run a great team, they're gonna have a, a good D three team. There's no doubt about that. But Goose, like you said, that's the only thing I can think of when I when I see that get kicked around is that league's going to be nigh unwatchable because it's going to feel like the Cosmos at the tail end of NASL. Yeah, it's it's really tough because then you even look at it from a standpoint of the expansion teams that are going to be there by default, a la Greenville Pro Soccer. They're going to automatically be at a, a they're going to be a step below them just staying on the standpoint of. They're going to be an expansion team. It's, I would honestly be surprised if there's two or three more two teams that are involved with D3. Um, I don't think it's going to be a lot of expansion teams necessarily, um, but it's it, it, there's so much that has to be determined at this point um, where who knows? I mean, it, it's, it's, it's tough to say what that talent level is going to be, so to to say that I would prefer the two teams maybe not to be in the in the tier two down the road, but even I would say maybe two-ish years from now, it doesn't make much sense to do that. And it, I w- if I was in the Red Bulls position, I wouldn't want to do it. It doesn't make any sense. They're not going to get as much development like we've kind of talked about in against different talent like that. They're not going to develop as much as you want them to. So, yeah. Uh, what I think maybe if you drop them all the two teams to say uh, the division three, you, you can take your standouts and loan them to uh, a Rowdies or uh, independent clubs in division two. I think you would see probably a lot more use of the loan in that case to develop your top t- your top talent in the division three before you bring them up to MLS. So I mean, there's options to do that because not everybody's going to be uh division two or division three caliber in in the youth squad anyway mm. um so I, I think you might be able to loan the players out to get them the experience they need the only the only problem with that is that if you loan them you lose the ability to have them train with your first team or even your second team that depends on that depends on the relationship it does depend on your setup it's true yeah yeah but for it's i mean a lot of the rockets have that going on for a lot of those, it's, that's fair. For a lot of those out and out two teams, though, that's they like that a lot, like a lot, um, and it's it's understandable because it's you you get total control over the player. Um, anyway, yeah, Mark, any any thoughts on that one? I know you're kind of the 
odd man out with the switchbacks, but I mean, you've seen that relationship before high New York City. Yeah, no, other than just to say that with the switchbacks and the rapids, obviously we have players that come play for us and then go train with the the rapids. Mm-hmm. The rapids still see more of those players than we do, despite the fact that uh, they're supposedly on our roster. But um, but no, right. beyond that, I think I think it's just an interesting it's an interesting conversation. It's an interesting time in U.S. professional yeah. soccer right now. So a good time to be alive, guys. Yeah, what a, what a time indeed! What a time indeed! Yeah. Um, and then and then I don't oh man. The only other thing I, I I want to talk about, and it's only because Mark threw it in the chat. Uh, there's been some strange officiating. <laughs> it, well, I, <laughs> I was going to say nobody agrees. Move yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. All right, <laughs> fine, 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 fine. Everyone's a stand for pro. I, I get it. Uh, and not even just this year, but in the uh, you know three years I've been covering the league now, which is weird because I'm not old. Uh, officiating again, other than being a, a little more generous with with the most, I you know how. <laughs> And this is a topic and a half too. How how does it get better? How does it improve? Does pro need to be more pro? That's oh, I don't want to make the pun, but I have to. Do, do they have to be more more proactive uh, in um, <laughs> you know, giving the league better refs or better resources or or being a little more attentive to how bad some of these officials are? Or what's the just get rid of pro? Yeah. Start your start your own in house officiating and have full control over it. What would the USL referee? Because it had it would have to be like a tie into something they do now. I don't know, but I hate. They'd make the, the Blake down about like the worst refereeing decisions every week, and he would just I mean, talk about those. Phil Edwards has a history of making officiating mixtapes. We'll just let him be in charge of it. Oh, uh, what was it against against the game against the? Uh, it was a match against the Cosmos uh, that Bill Edwards felt we got screwed, so he literally had the team release. Um, like a compilation of bad calls against the Rowdies from Pro when we were in an ASO. I think I remember that. Yeah, I, I'll try to find it and I'll tweet it to you. Very cool. Do we do? Does the does the USL need our own version of the Mike Petkey hand hand those out tray? Yes, please. Rant. Yes. Please. Do do we need someone to to you know? simultaneously like bemoan the use of a fax machine as well as bemoan the refereeing is that is that a thing we we need something to start that's the problem yeah that's it's another thing that needs to be addressed because it's obviously an issue um how you address that and how you fix that is well above my pay grade Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I, I, but the other thing to keep in mind, I think, is there's bad calls or subjective calls everywhere, no matter what league. So Mm. I don't know. It's, it's definitely not good, but (laughs) I don't know. It's a, it's a tough discussion. Um, It's bad. The officiating is terrible. It's just inconsistent, I think, is my, that's the biggest thing. It's definitely inconsistent. Um, which inconsistency shows a problem, obviously. Um, yeah. But 
I could never be a ref because I have terrible vision. So I think, I mean, going to tie in the two previous conversations, uh, a division three to help pro get some of these guys that don't have center ref experience, yes. some experience down there will be great. Cause I, yeah. I really don't like a meaningful game and then checking the, who the referee is and seeing they don't have any like experience Yep. and it, the game going to, you know, to crap because the ref is just lost and we're out of their depth. And so I think maybe, you know, division three will help that at least hopefully maybe. No, that that's a good point to bring up is automatically more games at a higher level will raise the level you would think. I mean, mm-hmm. practice tends to make perfect, I suppose. <laughs> <We're still laughs> right. I mean, or they'll just continually have more practice of being bad um, and they'll quit being referee um, maybe, but yeah. So is it is it a case of inconsistency truly, or is it lack of accountability, or is it compensation? So, it, or is it some combination of these things that needs to improve? I I think it's more of a uh, and and sure compensation is people are always going to take their job a little more seriously when they're when they're being paid more to do it. I would think. Mm-hmm. However, and what I just kind of brainstormed a little bit was what if you know because MLS puts out. Well, I guess Pro puts it out, but but for MLS, I'm not really terribly sure how that works. But you know, there's that list of here's the things that our referees are going to try to hone in because we view them as a problem in the league. Mm. And and you know, I, I think one of them for for MLS this year was diving in the box or something, or you know, yeah. um, handled the penalties right. I haven't seen yeah. anything like that from USL, and I don't even mean I like. Oh, you know, if your trailing leg comes through a guy or something, that that needs to be a harder, a, a harsher discipline foul. But even just if if Pro would release a, you know, we're going to try to make it so that players can't mob officials after a foul, or, or we're going to try to make it so that persistent infringement is called more consistently, because that's the that's one that I point to that I've seen where it's okay that guy's on his third foul that's a that's a card and it's. It's not, and sometimes it is. Um, So I I think, yeah, more like public accountability because I'm sure there is accountability in pro because that would be a nightmare if there wasn't, and I hope that there is. I don't actually know. But maybe more communication with USL itself or or more communication, you know, letting USL kind of broadcast that stuff and put it out there and saying, hey, you know, Here's disciplinary reports because I don't know if you guys have ever tried to get a, a an answer out of a pool reporter, but I've honestly had uh, and I, I on a, I've tried to do it once, but the the experience was so bad that I just never tried it again, and nothing's ever happened as bad. But you know, it was after um, Dan, honest to God, it might have been that Rowdies game last year that got delayed for like ninety minutes and then oh, they played. Yeah, yeah, but I forget. But I asked a question about a penalty or something in the box and, and we went, you know, to where the referees were and they said, well, you know, we don't do any media requests for pools. Like they just flat out denied it. Um, yeah. And like things like that little, you know, just for that to be more consistent. And the, I, Mark, I'm answering your question in a, in a very roundabout way, but I think it's accountability. Yeah. I think transparency would go a long way yeah. too because um, That's not going to happen. If they have certain things they're going to no. own on and try to fix, it'll make a more standardized 
this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. This is what is going to be a foul. This is what's not going to be a foul. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, it helps the fans. It helps the players. It helps everything. Um, where we're not sitting here complaining about a call that was called this way this week and that way that week. Um, peace of mind is a nice thing, I would think. Maybe we're asking too much. I don't know because we're so used to some tra- transparency and availability with the USL. Sure. Um, but I think if that's kind of the way the league has been, if they can do it, I think it would be better for everybody. But maybe that's a perfect yeah, that's, scenario. I don't know. That's something fans the world over have been asking for, gosh, for as mm, long as I can remember. Sure. You know, why can't referees come out at the end of the game uh, in a post-match interview, kind of the same way they do with the coaches and the players, and maybe field a predetermined number of questions? Maybe it's three questions. Hey, I want to ask you about these three moments in the game. Why did you go in that direction? And in fact... General wisdom suggests that most referees would like that opportunity. Most right, referees right. aren't going to sheepishly uh, divert the question. Instead, they're going to say, okay, look, whether I got it wrong or I got it right, here was my thought process. This is what I saw. Yep. Because, you know, we keep saying they're only human and we recognize they're only human. So we can take culpability. That's okay. But it would be nice to have mm. that transparency. It's never going to happen. Mm. Maybe have a conversation for, for two people currently talking on this podcast. It would be very cool if if instead of because I, I think part of the reason why we haven't seen that like pool reporter predetermined questions things is because those guys aren't paid to talk to media. You know what I mean? Like there's no else on that. And they never get trained to do that. So I think there's a lot of uh, of, of anxiety and, and nerves maybe where they go, you know, all right, well, if I say here's what I saw, then is someone, um, which we totally would. But that's beside the point. Um, really enjoy is the the way the disciplinary committee, like the suspension videos. You know what I'm talking about? Where they'll go, hey, you know, this guy got suspended for three games, and they'll run the tape back from the the hit or whatever that they deemed a violation, and they'll say, well, you know, he put his elbow on this guy's jaw here, and that's you know this rule, and here's that's you know why we thought it was a suspension. So like something like that for. American soccer referees in general, because I know it's not at all a glamorous profession, but something where they get to be in charge of their narrative and that's the end of it would be interesting at the very least, I think. Yeah. So basically what we're all saying is we need a rating system for the referees. Like an Audi like an Audi player. I need a I need a Nicholas Murray email every Monday for USL <laughs> referee of the week. Yes. <laughs> referee team of the week, lines fourth referee. Um, but, it's, but it's still eleven people. <laughs> <laughs> we we just we just need to bring in VAR guys. That's gonna that will cure us. Yes. Oh, Mark no. Geiger, come here. I need it. No. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, we figured it out. All right, so Nick, if you're if you're listening, if you're watching, you can't watch. Well, you can. <laughs> <laughs> too deep, no, too deep. Uh, Nick, if you're if you're listening, just uh, just give me a call. We'll set up the uh, the USL referee of the week, or I guess would it have to be the pro referees? We should that'd be difficult. <sighs> yeah, and you know, like this, whoever did the Cincinnati game and like made them win, quote unquote, would win every week because that's how voting goes in this league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
hey man, you scored the goal of the year by any loss to Cincinnati sucks. Sorry. Um. Uh, yeah, I'm still mad about that. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Mark, you're you're new here. Um, where can people interact with you on on Twitter and things? Well, assuming they'd want to after the last hour. Well, I say every week. I've, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of places on Twitter just to keep it nice and confusing. Uh, and it depends what you like to read. If you like yeah. to hear somebody ranting and raving and being a typical football fan, then by all, my, by all means, follow me on my personal account, which is at Malchit, which is M-E-L-C-H-E-T-T. Um, if you like someone's views to be a little bit more uh fenced in and a little more reasonable then uh my in inverted commas work twitter is uh last word on soccer uh which is at al w o s underscore c o s for colorado springs it's brilliant i think i'm funnier on the mail well i might not be funnier <laughs> but I, i'm Mark, certainly saltier. my, my Rebuttal to if people don't want a, a quote unquote, like, you know, normal football fan who has opinions and things is they just listen to the wrong podcast for like an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, um, you well, know, I want, say quickly, I, I want to give a shout out to my colleagues as well. Uh, Backchat has a Twitter account, Backchat Show. So if anyone's interested in, in reading about things, all things switchbacks, that would be a good place to go. Fellow network friends, Backchat. How about that? Sorry, uh, your fellow fellow BGN network friends. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. All of you are, in fact. Uh, mm, picking between my two favorite thirty-plus-year-old children, um, <laughs> <laughs> Goose. Just because it's in the order of the way you're showing up, in my anyway, uh, Goose. Where can people go out and and find you and things? Um, my odd twitter handle is the soccer goose um you can also listen to me uh rant slash sad cast every once in a while on uh when i say every once in a while i mean like two times a week roughly on uh talking jacks um and that is without a g um but it's talking jacks um we uh talk about excuse me uh, the Independence, the Charlotte Independence specifically, uh, I do that with Alex Warren, great guy there. Um, and if for some reason you want to hear me talk about the South Atlantic of the PDL and the Carolina teams, you can do that on uh, SNST Amateur Hour. Um, that's a, a Twitter handle there. Um, yeah, that's about all I do. Uh, that's only the things I do. Yeah, up to you, Dan. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter at unsub underscore Dan. Uh, you can listen to the show I co-host, The Unused Substitutes. Um, we do usually a show every Wednesday. Uh, the website is theunsubs.com, and you can follow the podcast Twitter at, uh, that's a good question, I think it's Unused Subs Pod. Uh, like, yeah. Yep, unused subs pod on Twitter. Man. I don't you I'm not the one in charge of that Twitter all right, account. All right, all right. And, I mean, Dan, you should be. I think I turn enough people away from the rowdies on my personal. But Dan, account. you should be. <laughs> I don't. 
What else do you have to lose? You're in 11th right now. Dan, go for it. Um, <laughs> I mean, tr- I don't want to. I'm sure you know, someone will it. keep that receipt on that comment when we yeah. finish <laughs> below you on the table. It'll be great. It's okay. I'll pull that audio. Yeah, and, no, uh, don't worry. I'm sure Mike's making a mental note of it right now. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I guess to. And this is always a fun part for me because I'm always so confused as to how people find the show if they uh, if they don't follow us on Twitter or. Or I suppose, you know, are, uh, are a part of our Patreon, patreon.com backslash the USL show. Um, or, you know, um, hey, well, but I'll just get into it. Uh, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, interact with us on the Twitter, uh, as far as the USL show is concerned, which is um, myself and a ton of, of other people um, in spirit, but really only three or four of us uh, actually at the USL show is where you can do that. Because unlike Dan, our podcast Twitter makes sense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ours makes sense. I just forget. I, I'm uh, a terrible you, host. you can also find us on the interwebs. The USL or uslshow.com will take you straight to us there. Um, you can find really cool things like our Patreon, like I said, patreon.com backslash the USL show, um, as well as uh, my dear friends over at Soccer Loco, where uh, if you decided you wanted to buy a, um, I don't know, uh, Spain kit and just put LOL on the back of it, there you go. You can do it. And, uh, and say hi to DK while you're there. Um, yeah, me personally, and all of you stole my shtick, but I'll say it too. If for whatever reason you want to hear more or, or interact with me or, or see more of me, because there's at least one picture of me. Um, on my Twitter, it's at Valella, which is my last name. V is in Victor, I-L-L-E-L-L-A-B-S-F-C. It's right, like the team that I cover. Um, and you can find me... Um, periodically writing things on at brotherly game which is the uh philadelphia union sb nation affiliate site other than that um guys i very much appreciate having you on and for um being able to bother you for the last hour or so to get opinions about a soccer league that we all um enjoy um i know it doesn't sound like we enjoy it but you know <laughs> we do um it gives us something to do um yeah so in, until then everyone uh, take care and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon and some capacity for sure.